Welcome to the Mindful Personal Training Podcast with Dr. Clint Cepeda. Dr. Cepeda will discuss all the issues you face when losing weight, creating effective exercise design, and training with intensity. Dr. Cepeda is a health and exercise science researcher specializing in obesity, program design, and mindful behavioral changes. Be sure to stop by drclintcepeda.com for more information. And now here is Dr. C. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is great to hear from you guys. We get all kinds of different emails and we are just once again, I say it every time and I can't, you can't say it enough. We are grateful. We are just happy and we are trying to do our best just to have a conversation with you guys. Welcome back to Mindful Personal Training with Dr. Clint Cepeda. Uh, uh, that is actually me, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on who you're speaking to. And this week, we want to kind of talk about some program design stuff, mainly uh, back exercises. We had a, uh, a friend visit the gym the other day. And it's a, one of those friends that pop in every now and then. And she came in and she was really excited about what she wanted to do because summer is here for us here in Texas, but summer is here and uh, the weather is getting warmer. And of course the clothes are getting smaller or tighter or non-existent, depending on uh, what your activity is, I guess. Uh, either way, the podcast wants to focus on back exercises, especially uh, for those that are not that are not too familiar with a lot of back movements, and then specifically for the women, because like I said, my friend came in and she was talking about the unfortunate term called bra fat. Now, I've been in this business uh, uh, for a while, so I do know what bra fat is. Uh, unfortunately for some of you guys, the term bra fat is not uh, anything new, especially for the ladies. And basically for you guys that uh, the fellas that are not too inclined uh, to understand what bra fat is, it's when the bra strap area, I guess you can say, it, it's, it's a little tight and you can kind of feel the fat and the flap go over the back side where the bra straps on, uh, sometimes even around the upper back. And in some cases, uh, right where the armpit is at. So, uh, it's, it's a very, um, how should I say it can be embarrassing for those that are wearing bikini tops or spaghetti straps or, uh, any type of top that has to kind of squeeze the back, especially where your latissimus is at. And, and it, you have that overhang basically for a lack of a better term. Either way, the bra fat that we want to try and train and get around is also um, noticeable when you have a sports bra. So if you haven't guessed already, this is kind of like woman specific, but not to let go of the guys either. Remember, we, we're just trying to have a conversation with you guys and the guys too. Uh, some of you guys, when you guys are wearing those muscle tees and you're, you're cutting the holes in your t-shirts and you're cutting it really low, you can kind of see that too. You may not be wearing a bra, but we can kind of see some of those rolls on the side where the latissimus is at. Now we do kind of cut it straight to you guys here. We don't, we don't mince words. We, how should I put this? We're sensitive to a point 
but not really sensitive. So whatever you hear on the podcast, it's just straight truth and talk. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. You're responsible for your own feelings and your happiness. Not me. I'm not responsible for that. I'm just here having a conversation with you. So this week, we are going to concentrate on a couple back exercises and try and help you and walk you through some of the movements and what you should be feeling. And I know this is a podcast and it's very hard to uh, get it in a visual manner, but we're working on that one. So uh, be prepared for something that may be happening over the summer as we work on it. Either way, we are we are looking at back exercises and primarily we've talked about it before, but this week I want to really focus on the pull up, the deadlift and the seated row and we'll visualize and put on our imagination and goggles on. And of course, you guys are probably on your phone and it's easy to look it up and Uh, Take a look at what it visually looks like if you're looking under images and videos on your search window, which is fairly easy to find. So uh, and some of you guys may already know what I'm talking about. I mean, we can't assume that everybody knows how to exercise and we can't assume that everybody knows what those three exercises for the pull up, the deadlift and the seated row. So uh, that's what we're going to focus on this week. And I want to kind of help you program design that and kind of help you along as well, where when you are playing this podcast, maybe when you're getting warmed up on the treadmill or so, and you guys are going to play this back. I want to make it accessible enough to where you guys can take a look at the program design or hear it and understand exactly what I'm talking about and practice and practice and practice. So let's get started with the pull-up. That'll be the first one. And that is actually the hardest one. Now, the pull-up can have many, many different angles. So if you're not familiar with the pull-up, let's go back to middle school where you were doing the presidential fitness test. That's what we used to call it back in the day. And the pull-up or the hanging arm raise, uh, they used to call it that. And it is the metal bar that you are going to put your hands over and on top and try and pull yourself up. Now you're working against your weight. You're working against gravity. You're working against small muscles to get to the big muscle. And the reason I say that is if you do the pull-up, whether it's underhand or overhand, those forearms got to be strong. Then those biceps have got to be strong. Grip notwithstanding, but let's say that's all equal, that the grip is fine and the forearm is fine and the biceps are good. Now you got to figure out how far apart the hands need to be on that bar. Well, that depends. I mean, if I were you, overhand grip is probably the harder of the two. That's uh, not anything without practice and practice and practice, but If you take a look at the movement, you get a little bit more helper muscles if you do the underhand grip. So just for argument's sake, and we like to assume, not assume rather, that's a bad term, but we'd like to think that we are all beginners here and that we could use some sort of key tips to get a better workout and a better training session, especially when uh, we need help. So for those of you that aren't too familiar with the pull-up, let's go ahead and try an underhand grip. That means the palms are facing you. And you are gripping it with the palms facing, excuse me, the palms of your hand are facing you and that you are holding it in an underhand grip. Now, when you think about the pull up, most people don't do it because they lack the small muscle strength to get the big muscles to activate. So to get to the back, you really got to go through the forearms and the biceps. That's the hard truth. And and there's no way around it. I mean, the backs don't have a specific way to get to them. It's just like the chest. The chest is right in the middle of your lung area and your rib cage, but 
I mean, they're just standalone regions. To get to the chest, you have to use your shoulders and your triceps. Same thing can be said for the back. So this thoracic region that we have uh, posterior and anteriorly, uh, right there, your rib cage, your heart, your lungs, those that area right there, it's muscles are there, but to get to them, once again, you need a push-pull motion. So since we are pulling, we need our puller helpers. We need some biceps and forearms to be as strong as possible. But before we get into that, the tough part about the pull-up, not only are you trying to hit the back, the majority of the back really, uh, that's one of those exercises just like the push-up where it just activates just tons of fibers and it actually hits key points in the motion of the exercise as you go up and down or your point back and forth. So in the pull-up, to get there, you have to be able to pull yourself up. Now, let's go back to beginner status. If you are trying to lose weight and you are trying to do this, you know, with the pull-up and as part of your training regimen, I know it's going to be hard to pull yourself up at your current state, but I would encourage you to keep trying. So one of the ways to try, especially if you're starting out and you are trying to, to lose the weight, but you can't pull the current weight that you have with the current fitness that you have, try it in an isometric hold. So for instance, there are some devices out there. It is like a uh, device called the equalizer and the equalizer is two yellow bars and they stand. So that maybe be four feet, three feet high off the ground and you can adjust them and move them. They're very, they're very uh, mobile, but either way, it looks like an upside, upside down U. You plop that sucker on the floor and that can help you with the isometric movement. Now that's just setting you up. It is sort of a pull up because you are using gravity and those small muscle groups and the back to pull from the ground up. Now, when you do a real pull up, that's an open chain exercise because the body is off the ground. Now in this upside down U, this equalizer piece of equipment, Basically, you're just stabilizing the floor. You are laying on your back and then you're pulling yourself up with the metal bar. That's it. It's, it's very simple. It's not even rocket science. It's not even elementary science or, or middle school science. It's, it's very simple as far as an apparatus. However, it does help you condition the forearms and the bicep and get you off the ground, even if it's three or four inches. So that's an exercise that you may want to consider at your local gym. Now, if you do not have access, one of the ways to go ahead and start working these small muscle groups is to is to prepare yourself by doing as many hammer curls and bicep movements. So that way you can get those strong forearms and those and those strong biceps to prepare yourself for the more you lose the weight. Now, so for example, if you're sitting at maybe 220 pounds and you've never exercised in your life, I promise you, you probably cannot pick up 220 pounds, even though it's your own body weight. But by working on other things around that, we can drill through the core, which is a full pull up from the ground in the air over time. It's not going to happen overnight, but you have to prepare yourself to get ready for that day where you are lean down and maybe now you're in your 160s or excuse me, 170, that's too much, uh, 175, maybe 180 from that original weight that we talked about, and you are lighter, and you are able to pull. Now, don't wait till the last minute and work on your biceps and triceps, or excuse me, your biceps and forearms, and go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on the pull-up now. No, you. That's those are things you can do now. That is a thing that you can do now. So regardless of how much weight you want to lose, work on 
the structure stuff now, the forearm, hammer curls, regular long bar, bicep curls, get them strong enough to where you are ready to pull up from the ground up and off the ground and in the air without any assistance, that at least the forearm and the biceps are conditioned and ready to go. Now, will you still be able to knock out 10 in a row? Probably not, because now we are working on an exercise to where we are conditioned with the form and the biceps, but we've never done the pull before. Well, guess what? Now you practice. Now we train. Now you lose more weight. Now we get stronger. So that kind of leads me into the next exercise, which is the deadlift. Now, regardless of how much weight you need to lose, at least with the deadlift, that is a closed chain exercise. So that comes from the ground and your foot or your feet are still on the ground and you're still using the ground as an extra kinetic energy source to help you pull that deadlift bar. Now, for those of you that do not know what a deadlift is, easy peasy, look it up. It's basically the bar and some weights at the end of the bar and it's on the ground and just left it. I simplified it because that's what it looks like from the ground. However, the actual mechanics are a little bit different. And like I said, unfortunately, we are in the podcast and we can't get too visual, but I would encourage you and be proactive and use a little bit of homework. Look at what a deadlift looks like on your social media account if you're not too familiar with it or just go ahead and internet search it look at a video for a perfect deadlift there are good ones out there and that's what it looks like i hate to gloss it over but for me to actually explain the mechanics it's just going to be too much and it's too confusing and that's not we're here what we're here for we're just here to have a conversation when you look at your deadlift if you are still trying to lose that weight at least the deadlift can help you expedite that And it still helps you to condition the forearms and the biceps. So now you have one exercise that just supplemented and supported the previous one, which was the pull-up. So with the deadlift, what I would encourage you guys to do is if you can start with at least 135 pounds, basically that is the bar and two big 45 pound plates on the side. Now for the women, just drop it down, make it 35 pounds or make it 25 It's entirely up to you. I don't know everybody's strength quotient, so you're going to have to practice that and discover that for yourself. What I try to do on the podcast is make you guys accountable and get used to your training regimen, your body type, your exercises, and the vernacular. So that way, when you are hearing deadlift, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Perfect. If I superset deadlift and pull up, you know exactly what I'm trying to do. So once you have the deadlift engaged, whether it's 135 pounds with two 45s on the side or two 35 or a 35 and a 35 on either end, whatever, man, now we deadlift. So your repetition of your deadlift, you're working on the small muscle groups for the pull-up, even though you haven't actually accomplished a pull-up yet. Now all these things are kind of coming together. So now your back day is working the mechanics for you to one day do the pull-up. So you're working to exercise one. Now exercise one, we need practice. Exercise two, the deadlift, is to support exercise one. And with the deadlift, once again, it's one of those exercises that almost activates everything. And you'll feel it and you'll know when you're doing it right. And once again, I encourage you, please drop me a line, send me a video. I'll take a look at it, I'll critique it, I'll assess it and see if it's right or wrong or whatever the case may be, or do some research on your own. But doing the deadlift correctly takes lightweight first. It is a multi-joint compound movement and it's meant for heavy pulls from the ground. But work your mechanics first. There's no reason to be 
ego lifting and you don't even have any of the mechanics down. And even if you do, maybe you should lighten the load every once in a while at 225 for you big guys. And I, and I trust me, I know to pack on four 45 pound plates on each side, you know, and you're repping that out and you're going up to, you know, five plates on each side. It happens. You're there. You're hot. You're on fire. However, sometimes taking 225 and repping that out for 20 reps, that'll get your heart rate up. And trying to get it maybe in a 30 second or 45 second time frame and try and beat that rep count each time for three rounds. Okay, try that. That is a great back workout if you know what I'm talking about. So the deadlift supports the pull up, maybe in some regards, vice versa. But since we're just beginning here, uh, the pull up is really what we're trying to accomplish. And the deadlift helps support that. So what I would incorporate is a modified pull up because you're trying to lose weight, a lighter version of the deadlift because we're working on mechanics. And then eventually you want to lead over to the seated row. Now the seated row, you've probably seen this many, many times in gyms, wherever you are at, it's basically a selectorized weight. You pull the pin, you are seating, sitting down. And depending on the handles that you want to clip onto that cable, you can make it a tight grip, close grip, You can make it wide. You can make it super tight. You can make it one arm at a time. But a seated row is aptly named. You are sitting down. And that bench is usually a long bench, probably about maybe four feet or so. And you have some foot pads and you put your foot against that pad and you are pulling a cable on a selectorized weight and you pull a pin accordingly. Now, when I do a seated row, I like to really lean forward on that and stretch that lower back. Not fast. Just a nice, good pull, probably maybe two seconds, and then row it back. Now, the trick is this. When you do the seated row, you want to squeeze and bring those elbows back past the rib cage. That gets a full contraction for the back. Now, if you're pulling it and those elbows are still stuck in the front where you could see it, you didn't pull back far enough. That means the arms are only working. The bicep and the forearm is being conditioned. That's what's only pulling that, not the back. Remember, to reach the back, you got to go through the forearms and the biceps. In this particular exercise, the forearms and the biceps have to be strong enough to pull back where the elbows are past the rib cage. So that way you can feel the entire back squeeze. You can feel the entire back contract. And you're almost sitting at an L position. The entire body looks like an L. From the, tip, from the tip of your toes all the way to your bottom, your glute, and then from the glute straight up to the ceiling with the back and your head, your body looks like an L. It's L-shaped. But when you stretch forward, let it stretch and let that latissimus open up like wings. And as you come back, it's a big chest. Now, some of you guys may have long legs, short legs, depending how tall you are. And actually also depending on what kind of obstruction you have on the front part of your body, namely your stomach, how far you can bend forward. But look at the process. Once again, you're conditioning the forearms and the biceps. But for this one, we want those elbows to go further back so we can't see them and pass the rib cage and big chest at the end. So it's a full contraction. Now, you can vary this. 20 times under the sun. You can go with the wide bar. You can go with the triangle close grip bar. You can go with the single handle for you to do a one arm roll. There's 20 different ways to do it. You know, many more. I'm just 
making an arbitrary number, but what you're trying to do is make sure that the pull is a full stretch to an L contraction. That's it. Now it's heavy. That means you're leaning back. And if you take a look at the degrees, it doesn't look like 90 degrees anymore. Now you're looking at 100, 110. You're trying to lean further back so you can compensate because the weight's too heavy. When you see good seated row lifters, they have a full contraction. Watch them take off. They're sure to have a really, really big tank top on and a thin tank top, and you can see the muscles contract. But when you lean back, you're just leaning back on the lumbar, and that at that point, it's biceps and forearms. You're not really doing a full back seated row. There is a difference. So once again, if the goal is the pull-up, we describe three exercises right in a row. But let me touch back to the seated row. The good thing about the seated row is that it is very safe. That's number one. Number two, you can really get a chance to stretch the muscles. With the two other exercises you do, especially with the pull-up, but you're not ready for that, but you're working towards it. Because a true pull-up is where the feet are off the ground and whatever, whatever the height is. And whether you're underhand or overhand, you are totally off the ground and you're going up and down. But the design of the pull-up, you're already stretching your back because you're starting from the bottom, meaning the feet are off the ground. The full contraction has not been done yet. And you're just hanging on for dear life and getting ready to pull yourself up. So you do get a lat stretch there. With the seated row, same thing. We want that lumbar stretch on the bottom and a little bit of the lat stretch again. All these exercises have perfect form to them. Not a perfect form for you. It has to be a perfect form for you to keep building upon each other. What I would recommend, uh, especially if you're beginning or you're intermediate, try them in a row. So you want to try the pull-up first just to get everything turned on. Then switch over to the deadlift right after that. So let's go maybe three sets of 30-second isometric holds on the pull-up, on a varied, on a modified pull-up, even if it's the assisted pull-up. And let's do that with the maybe, let's go 20-second break in between. So let's start there. You're knocking out three sets, 20-second break in between the three sets. They are in a row, of course, with the break. Getting your mind right and trying an isometric hold with the pull-up. Right after that's done, let's go ahead and, for example, put 135 pounds in the deadlift. And let's go a little high rep. So let's go 15 to 20 reps. And let's do that for one set. Let's go back to the pull-up and knock out a set again. Let's go back to the dead and knock out two more sets. Okay, so let me repeat that. The first set in a row would be all pull-ups. 30 seconds a piece, 20 second break in between, all in a row. So that's what you're concentrating on. So you sit down, get your break, get your mind right. 20 seconds goes right real fast. So you're doing an isometric hold, meaning you're just holding yourself up. Right from there, there, go straight to the deadlift and let's knock out 15 to 20 reps. Superset, go back to the pull-up and try one more time for that isometric hold. If your forearms are not on fire, you're not working hard enough. Go back to the deadlift and then you can finish out two more sets of that with a little break in between. Still stay at the 15 to 20 rep count as much as you can get. Don't worry about time. Once that's all done, then head over to the seated row for one rep or one set rather. So let's say for instance, I want that set with maybe, hmm, I would guess 75% of your max and whatever that is, you, you're going to have to figure that out. Okay. So arbitrarily speaking, let's say I pull the pin and I do 
210, maybe on that weight for the seated row. Lean over, rep that out for 12. Go back to the dead again. Now let's make the dead a little heavier. So if we started at 135, let's say for me, let's go to 225. Let's pull that for 10 only. Go back to the seated row, keep it at the same weight, and let's see if you can increase your rep count. Go back to the deadlift, increase again the weight, maybe about 10 to 15 pounds on each side. See if you can rep that out for 10. And then finally, go back to the seated row and then increase the rep count again. So the seated row will have the same amount of weight. You're just increasing the rep count each time. Now, if you try that all in a row for that program design, you should get significant stimulation and fatigue in the forearms and the bicep, and your heart rate should have been up. Now, if you want to write it down, just rewind the podcast and play the voiceover. But I've only described three exercises. This is just something that should take you with rest, everything all being equal, maybe... I'd give it maybe 20 minutes. It's not a heavy back workout, but it is a high intense back workout where you can control, you can get your business done. Remember, it's not about the quantity of time when we train. If you can get your work and become efficient at it as far as your training goes, you can be in the gym for 30 to 40 minutes and call it a day. There's no reason for you to be in the gym for two hours unless you're doing, geez, what, 45 minutes of cardio maybe 45 minutes of weight training and what, 15, 20 minutes of stretching and cool down and warm up all. I mean, you could, I guess that's just a lot of time. Who has that? I mean, I got books to read and, you know, things to do. I'm sure you do too. So try that and try and do it in a row. You're going to do the pull up deadlift and seat a row and use the numbers that match you. Those are just numbers that I, I thought would be kind of just general and normal. But that's something maybe you, you might want to think about as far as your back exercises for this week. And once you try it, shoot me a line at drclintzapeta at yahoo.com. So that's also on the website as well. It's great to hear from everybody and it's great to be humbled by all the downloads. We'll see you next week. Take care. That's going to do it this week for Mindful Personal Training with Dr. Clint Cepeda. That's me, Dr. C. We appreciate all the support. And if you have any more questions, please do not hesitate to drop us a line. Stop by www.drclintcepeda.com. Cepeda, C-E-P-E-D-A. That gets misspelled all the time. We'll see you next week. Take care. Remember, stay healthy, stay well, and stay fit. Dr. Clint Cepeda has a research background in health science and exercise sports science with a focus in obesity and mindfulness. The statements made in this podcast are for educational and motivational purposes only.